light of infinite. This week has been a bit more challenging navigating the ups and downs that come with living this life in exile. As Mark Ronson says, nothing breaks like a heart. I woke up today and it hit me. They were all just scattered pieces of a broken soul trying to come together to make it whole. This parasha opens with the following verse. And you will command the children of Israel that they shall take for you clear olive oil crushed for illumination to light a lamp continually. What strikes me is that the action we are commanded to take is a physical action in a moment. It's plucking an olive, squeezing, grinding, and crushing it for its oil in order to elevate it. And what's to follow is illumination and a continual light. It's the same in life. Only after self-sacrifice can we merit seeing purity illuminate our souls. The Mishkan tabernacle was built to rectify the sin of the golden calf because sin obscures the light of Hashem and the light of Emunah, faith. Rab Natan of Breslov teaches that once B'nai Israel accomplished building the Mishkan, they aroused divine will instead of anger. By lighting the lamps, they expressed the desire for the light of Hashem that it shouldn't be extinguished within them. The stories leading up to this moment in the Torah continuously show us a Yerida, a descent, prior to an Aliyah, an ascent, because the height and the light come from the falls and the darkness. And since everything physical is a reflection of its spiritual counterpart, there is no Aliyah, ascent, without a proper Yerida, a descent. So we have to stay faithful and focus on the light or we get consumed by the darkness. If we look at ourselves like the olives going through life feeling crushed at various stages, but remain hopeful that from the crushed moments comes elevation, the light, we can stay faithful on our own path and our own ascensions and redemption. If we look at ourselves like the olives going through life feeling crushed at various stages, but remain hopeful that the crushed moments comes the elevation, the light, we can stay faithful on our path towards our own ascension and redemption. At every moment in life, our decisions can be fueled by fear, constantly questioning in a state of uncertainty, or alternatively, we can operate from a place of faith, realizing that whatever is meant to be will be. And when we put our trust in that process, if we are open to believing that what is meant for us will come to us, then the crushed parts of the path that we are on will illuminate the darkness, like a light shone in a dark room. The greater the darkness, the greater the light. We need to instill this lesson of lessening the focus on the elements that leave us crushed, moving away from the place of fear and feeling stuck, and into the space of emunah, faith, and bitachon, trust. And then we will see that everything will be illuminated. There's a concept that's spoken about a lot in Chabad of being a lamplighter, inspired by going out of one's way to be more loving, more giving, and inspiring to all those that we come into contact with. As any Jew who has traveled and needed a minyan, a kosher meal, or a community for Shabbat, even in the most obscure and desolate part of the world, there's always, almost certainly, a Chabad around. And you can be sure that their door will be open with a smile, words of Torah, love, and some warmth in all its manifestations. All of this is born of doing the mitzvah, a commandment, but doing them in the most loving and enlightened way possible. As it's written, a mitzvah is a lamp, and the Torah, it's light. Because the light that was once fully revealed prior to all of creation is now hidden in this physical world and material world, so the more we reveal it, the closer we get to a time of full revelation, of full redemption, when the light is likened to that of the first day. This is the process of revelation and unification, of drawing ourselves and each other closer to our source, closer to emet, truth. The Lubavitcher Rebbe teaches that if light is the purpose of every created thing, then light also must be the purpose of darkness. So we learn that darkness isn't meant to be avoided, but to be transformed into light. We are all light. We all have Hashem within us. We generally can't see it within ourselves or even in the world as it is all light. 
So in that sense, it seems to not even exist. But if we bestow our light onto another, then we could see the beam of light from within us and around us and mirrored back to us. That's when we see light. That's when light is revealed. As we see from the first verse in Breshit, light is good, and good is only good when given. So to reveal light, we have to share light. And that is how we manifest good and light in this world. That's how we are able to take it from a seemingly non-existent state to something revealed. The mitzvot, the commandments, are a way to transform the physical into the spiritual. As it's written, the soul of man is a lamp of God. When light from your own flame is shared with another, your flame doesn't become smaller. Only the other person's flame is now ignited. On the phrase, Ketiv Lema'or, pressed for illumination, the Talmud explains that although the olive oil used for the menorah must be pressed over and over until a few choice drops are extracted, the same standard aren't required for the oil that is used as part of the meal offering. The Khatam Sofer goes on to say that if we assume that the menorah is the source of our spiritual success and the meal offering the source of our financial prosperity, that we could form our own relationship to the standards that should be attained in the material and spiritual matters. Only the purest ingredients will suffice in relation to spiritual matters. And although material needs are often necessary for spiritual success, we don't need to be as demanding with the quality of worldly necessities. Spiritual success comes from offering your soul without limitation, whereas material success comes from Hashem, and exerting oneself in these matters does not guarantee success. I've personally seen this in my own life many times. I can make hundreds of sales calls and not land much of anything. However, if I stay positive, do the work that's needed to be done, and stay hopeful in giving, I can be a vessel for receiving. Then I might get a call the next day, seemingly out of the blue, and land a big money deal. It's not magic. It's the give and take of this journey. We put love and hard work out there. We help others. And it does, if we can remain positive, come back to us. The Lubavitcher Rebbe explains that the vessels of the inward sanctuary are, as the name implies, receptacles. When they are pure and their service is pure, they are receptacles of divine blessing physical as well as spiritual. As the Torah tells us, if you go according to my statutes and my commandments, the earth will give forth its produce and trees of the field their fruit. As Rabbi Hanina said, everything is in the hands of Hashem except for fear of Him. Connecting with something that is in concealment often takes a great leap of faith. If Hashem wasn't concealed, our choice to fear, love, and the connection would be taken away, as it wouldn't be a choice at all. Starting with the sixth plague in Egypt, it says that Hashem hardened the heart of Pharaoh, which seems that he was taking away Pharaoh's free will, but it's actually the opposite. He had to harden his heart to counter the effect that the miracles and revelations had on him in order to maintain his free will. With our own life, there are the ebbs and flows, and it's up to us how we ride these waves, how to react to them. Do we remain a lamplighter for others, even during the moments we feel that we are struggling? Or do we let life's moments get the better of us, leaning into negativity and diminishing the light of those around us. Every moment is a lesson. If we can only look at them as such, we can remain hopeful and even thankful during the difficult times, knowing something even better is around the corner. And we will connect with it and appreciate it that much more because of the difficult time that preceded our being ready, open, and unified with it. The Baal Shem Tov teaches that what we see in each other is a mirror reflection of ourselves. When you see ill in your friend, it is your own ill that you are observing. Just like a mirror that reflects exactly what's in front of it, so too what we see in each other reflects nothing but what we ourselves possess. And from this, we must know that it's Hashkacha Prati, Divine Providence, bringing it to light in order to correct our own deficiencies. As we see time and again, we tend to project our own issues, insecurities, and shortcomings on each other, seeing in the other what's actually meant to be inner work for ourselves. 
The idea of Hashkacha Prati, divine providence, is that we are put into situations and relationships for a reason. We are meant to learn from them and fix things in ourselves, which will help the other person fix them for themselves. Our entire lives are one long conversation with the Shekhinah, divine presence. Whether we are being pulled closer to it, feeling enlightened, or running away from it, rejecting the emet, the truth, both are parts of the same conversation and relationship we each have with Hashem. Every moment and encounter with each other, each of us being a part of Hashem, is part of that conversation. It's us being shown something in order to grow in our connection with the divine. King David wrote, I made a little hole in my heart. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov taught that the moment one thinks about serving Hashem, one should make a little space in their heart and he will reveal himself there. The way the world was created was by Hashem contracting his infinity, separating himself from the world, leaving an empty space, tzimtzum, as the Kabbalists call it, so that man would not be overwhelmed by his awesome light. It is just this separation that we are constantly reminded of that often feels unbearable, but we can continually tap into connecting to it by remembering a mitzvah is a lamp and the Torah its light. This entire life is about revealing the concealed, about bringing light and love into darkness and adversity. Karlbach explains that when you love somebody so much, you're ready to do the smallest finite favors for them with all your heart and soul because if you are genuinely connected, you understand that the finite is also the infinite. Hashem will pour the infinite into the finite vessel you create. Rabbi Nachman says the way in which to connect to the finite vessel to understand his infinity is through your infinite emotions and wisdom of your heart. In this week's Torah portion, Titzaveh, it says, And you shall speak to all the wise-hearted people whom I have invested with a spirit of wisdom. The Chatam Sofer explains that Hashem commanded Moshe to tell the craftsmen that he invested with them a spirit of wisdom. And once informed of their innate potential, these wise craftsmen were able to create Aaron's vestments. Rabbeinu Bachia, in his classical work of ethics, Chovot HaLevavot, notes every human has hidden potential and talent. In the same manner that seeds must be sown, plowed, and harvested, so too someone else must nurture the potential in his peer. As we read about the garments of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, the breastplates, and the Urim Vitimim stand out as being another universe, a mystical medium through which divine inspiration communicated through light. The names of the twelve tribes were engraved on each of the twelve stones on the breastplate, broken down as such, Ruven, Odem, Ruby, Shimon, Pitta, Chrysolite, Levi, Baroket, Onyx, Judah, Nofech, Malachite, Yisachar, Sapir, Lapis, Zvulun, Yahalom, Zircon, Diamond, Dan, Leshem, Zircon, Naphtali, Shvo, Agate, God, Achlama, Amethyst, Asher, Tarshish, Topaz, Yosef, Shoham, Onyx, Binyamin, Yaspeh, Jasper. Rabbeinu Bachia teaches the benefits associated with each stone. Odem helps childbirth. Pitta cools the body. Bareket brings enlightenment. Nofech overpowers enemies. Or Safir helps eyesight and healing. Yahalom helps sleep. Leshem protects against theft. Shvo helps riding. Achlama creates bravery. Tarshish helps digestion. Shoham allows a person to be perceived well by others. And Yashpe helps blood clotting. We often forget or don't even learn about the shamanic practices of divination in Judaism. But this parasha brings much of it to light. Gershon Winkler's book, The Magic of the Ordinary, Recovering the Shamanic in Judaism, is a worthwhile read if you want to learn more about the lost art of what was once a big part of our tribal roots. According to the Zohar, the Urim Vitumim contain the 42 
and 72 letters of Hashem's name placed in the folds of the breastplate, which caused the letters engraved in stones to light up, which would spell out answers to the Kohen Gadol's questions. The name Urim comes from emanations or light, or, and Tumim because it was sliced into two perfect halves, Teomim, meaning twins. And as the Midras teaches, it was cut by the Shamir, a unique stone-cutting worm. The Ramban explains that the answers would come to light by the letters of the two names of Hashem They were in the fold of the breastplate, illuminating certain letters that they were engraved as the names of the twelve tribes. The letters would light up and the Kohen Gadol through Ruach HaKodesh, divine intuition, would arrange the illuminated letters to compose words and reveal the answers. Soon we'll be reading the Megillah, the scroll of Esther, this poem which is also Ligalot HaEster, meaning to reveal what's concealed. The word Esther is related to the Hebrew word I will hide, which is said in Dvarim when God says I will truly hide my face. The Megillah is one of the only books in scripture not to mention Hashem's name at all. It's a story that took place in the Persian Empire long after the biblical stories in which miracles and revelations took place. Purim, like the present, is a time in which Hashem, Melech HaOlam, King of the Universe, has hidden himself in the universe, Olam. The root of Olam is also something that is unseen, hidden, or disappeared, Ne'elam. Hashem has hidden himself in the universe so that our actions are of our own free will, but when we create space for him, we can peel back a bit of the concealment and see Hashem guiding and blessing us. During Passover, we retell the story of Egypt to relive it as if we too were being freed and to remember that we too were once strangers in a strange land. With Purim, it's said, if one reads the Megillah in the wrong order, literally backwards, they have not fulfilled their obligation. The Baal Shem Tov explains that this refers to a person who reads the Megillah believing that the story it tells occurred only in the past as a retrospective account and that the miracles do not endure into the present. With that mindset, the person hasn't fulfilled their obligation because the purpose of reading the Megillah every year is for each person to learn how a Jew should behave in the present. Purim is the living revelation of the concealed. As we go into Purim, we tap into the energy of the month of Adar, known as the month of celebration and joy. Adar was the last month that Bnei Israel were in Egypt before the Exodus, the time right before things became clear and redemption revealed itself. We learn in the Talmud that when the month of Adar arrives, we increase in joy, welcoming this time of miracles. I pray that we're able to celebrate and focus on joy, illuminating ourselves and each other, sharing and shining light to dispel the darkness of concealment, so that we could revel in the light of the infinite with the coming of the Mashiach and the final redemption speedily. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.